Somebody said, Amen. 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 This morning I want to talk to you about the harvest is here. The harvest is here. Talking about spiritual experiences. And uh, how have you come to know and experience God? Think about all the times in your life that you might have felt God. Has He shown up? Whether Whatever stage of believing you're at, no matter uh, you've been a Christian a long time or just a little bit, how have you come to know and experience God? You know, some people believe uh, that knowing God is very intellectual, it's very doctrinal, it's very uh, physical. You know, I'm, I'm going to go learn and study, I'm going to apply the doctrines, I'm going to have right thinking and right theology, and that's good. And uh, they have this religious belief. Some people view their Christianity kind of as a moral choice, a moral course of living, or maybe there's these works to be done that you have to kind of adhere to this way of life. And that all may be true, but knowing God has a lot to do about experiencing Him. It's experiencing Him. Because God is spirit, and you have to know Him in spirit. And experiencing God is where God's spirit invades the natural, where this spiritual thing the spiritual world, the spiritual life that God gives comes into our natural bodies and we experience Him. Uh, you have a relationship. I have a relationship with my wife. We've been together since we were 16 years old. I know her intellectually, but I also have a, a physical and a relational and an emotional relationship with her. It's not just knowledge-based. It's experience-based. I know how she reacts to things. I know what she's going to do. I know where she likes to go because I have experienced life with her. I don't just know her off of Facebook. Right? Got it? So knowing God is spiritual. It's a spiritual revelation. It's a spiritual experience. And it continues to grow. So I want you to think about something. We're going to do a little different today. Just to kind of get your mind on kind of what I want us to get to at the end. So this is something I've never really preached this way through this chapter before. But I want you to think about something. About how God's word comes with the knowledge of it. But it also comes with the continued experience of of his word. You know it, but it continues to grow and you can continue to experience it until Jesus comes back. Okay, so think about Genesis. At creation, God spoke his word, and in one part, I just want to think about the time he made plants, just for example. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, here's what he said Then God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit according to their kind, with seeds in them. And it was so. Now, he makes one sentence about, Hey, let's make plant life, and that's going to happen, okay? So Genesis chapter 1 says, God said, Let there be plants. Let's just sum it down in that. We could have never imagined that one phrase, one spoken word from God would make all the plant life from the dinosaur time even to evolve even to now. That plants would go from desert plants like cactuses. It would, from that little simple word would come the rainforest with all like the beautiful flowers, blades of grass and thorns and, and it would come vines that would hang off of and there would be 
plants that would be tumbleweeds. I mean, think about all the diversity, all the intricate details in those plants. Just that one simple phrase would come the mitochondria and all the proteins and lipids it would make to make an actual plant. It would come the sap and the roots. It would come the pollen that God would make. It would every blooming, beautiful flower of colors, unimaginable, scents and aromas would come from that one simple sentence and it would happen back in Genesis and continue to keep on happening and even when a volcano in the middle of a of the ocean erupts and all that lava and magma cover that entire thing and it's rock solid just give it a hundred years and guess what happens it's a jungle how does that work I don't even know. I don't know. How does it happen that in the middle of the most barren places, God's word continues to be experienced? Now, I don't just have a, I can, you can spend your whole life and you can learn everything there is to know about plant life on earth and you would still come up short from one spoken word of God. Our God's amazing. Our God is incredible. There is more to know about God than you can ever know. And let me tell you, there's more to experience from God than you can ever experience. People have charted the unknown places of the earth just to experience one word God spoke. Come on, that's amazing. It's amazing, teeming with life. We haven't gone to the depths of the seas and the oceans and the skies. Man, we haven't investigated every small thing, a creepiest thing on the world. God spoke one word, and we can't even understand that word, and we can't ever begin to experience all his word can accomplish. Now you're saying, Pastor Heath, where can I go with that? I'm gonna go even further. We can put a man on the moon and we can make cell phones that track your every move. But we can't make one single blade of grass. Man cannot get a Petri dish and make one single blade of grass. That's the spoken word of God. And every day you go outside these walls and these buildings, you are experiencing the knowledge of the word of God everywhere. So when I talk about God in his word, I'm also going to talk about his word and its spirit that continues for generations. Because everything God says continues. Until he says it doesn't, it continues. And it keeps on, guess what, getting better. It keeps on getting bigger. It started in the little Garden of Eden, and it kept getting bigger and better and better. And I don't care how many people try to burn off a land. You go in your yard, you burn it off, guess what? Give it six months in Louisiana, you're going to have a full yard again. Because you can't stop the Word of God. And you will experience the Word of God every single day till He comes. Amen? Amen. This is His Word and His Spirit. God's Word is greater than you can know. His Spirit is more than you can experience. And His Word, Jesus Christ, came in the flesh, the Bible said, so we could know Him. And He gave us His Spirit, His Spirit, so we could experience Him. So in the same way you might know the simplicity of just one phrase of the Word of God, the effects of that Word will take you a lifetime to experience. Are you with me? You can read a one sentence in the Bible, but it can may take you a lifetime to fully experience that one sentence. And you'll never finally ever get to the end of it. Man, his word is so un unbelievable. It's beyond your understanding. It never ceases to amaze. And this should be the normal Christian life. 
The simple knowledge of his word, but a lifetime of experience in his word. Are you with me? Just one phrase, man, can continue on for generations to come. And this, some people think, uh, well, people who want to just experience God's spirit, they're kind of immature. That's kind of a weak version of Christianity. And maybe, maybe some people have given the spiritual experiences of Christianity a bad name. But let me tell you something. They're not wrong. There may be immature people who have done wrong things. There may be people who have not acted the right way and, and all that. But seeking God in experience in itself is not wrong. You do it every day. When you walk out of here, you experience God's, the effects of his word. And I should expect that in my Christian life, that a spiritual encounter with God launched the early church to the ends of the earth and that same word that produced plant life is the same word that planted the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just like that seed began in Genesis and propagated to the ends of the earth and continues to allow us to experience the word of God today, what started in the early church and was spoken by Jesus, that seed of the gospel has propagated to the unknown reaches of the earth today. And you can still experience the same word word planted in the first century today. Are you with me? The same thing that they experienced in the Bible did not end then. But what was spoken by God continues like those plants just to continue to grow. And no matter how many people try to snuff this thing out, his word is still alive. You can know it and you can experience it. Are you with me? Because I've never seen God do anything that doesn't get better. I've never seen God's word end. I've never seen God's promises fail. I've never seen God do something little and never do it big. Are you with me? Because the Bible is true and I believe it. And if it is the spoken word of God, then I can experience it. Are you with me? So... There's some people that don't believe that. And that's okay. I love you. But I hope you'll follow with me just for a little bit. Because I believe God wants to plant something in you that propels you to a lifetime of experiencing His Spirit. I think one little word from God can be planted in you and it will be a lifetime of amazing wow and wonder of how good our God is. Look in Genesis, sorry, in Acts chapter 2, because you can experience his spirit, and I believe you'll never cease to exclaim the wonder of his word. When you see all that God has done through one spoken word, and you go out in life and experience it, you're just like, wow, God is so good, and you want to tell somebody about it. I think that's the same thing that we want to look here. Acts chapter 2 for 40 days, Jesus has revealed his word to his disciples. He rose from the dead. He gave them this great commission to go make disciples to the ends of the earth. He told them greater things than he had done that they would begin to do through the power that was going to work with them. And for 10 days, they, we find them waiting in this upper room in Jerusalem on this, leading up to this feast day called Pentecost or the Feast of Booths. And this was a harvest in the fall, a harvest feast uh, for about the end gathering of the harvest. But it really, Pentecost means 50th, the 50th day after Passover. 
And God lined all this up prophetically to kind of make a statement. Because when they were celebrating this festival called Pentecost, what they were celebrating and remembering was the time of the Exodus when they had to trust to follow God by fire at night, cloud by day. They were part, the wind of God blew and parted the waters. Remember this story is of Moses. And they had manna every day relying on that. Well, all of that wind and fire and the manna and the supernatural works of God, they remembered how God is the thing they needed most in their life. And this is when we find them in Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a noise, like a violent rushing wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled, or came under the influence, really, that's what that means, of the, with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with different tongues or different languages as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Now there were residing Jews in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, because this, this was a big festival from all over. And when the sound occurred, the crowd gathered and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language or native language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these... Uh, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya and around Cyrene. Basically everywhere, man. And say, the visitors from Rome, both Jews and God-fearing Gentiles, proselytes, Christians and Arabs, basically everywhere. He says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues or language of the mighty deeds of God. What were they speaking? The mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement with great perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? Great question. Let's go into that in a second. But the others were jeering, saying, they're full of sweet wine. But Peter... Taking a stand with the other eleven, raised his voice, declared to them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, know this, pay attention to my words. For these are not drunk, as you assume. It's only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. But this is what's been spoken to the prophet Joel, who's an Old Testament prophet. And it shall be in the last days, Joel said, or God said, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will have dreams, and even on my male and female servants I'll pour out my spirit in those days. They will prophesy. And I will display wonders in the sky and above and on signs on the earth below, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." Okay, what just happened? The Holy Spirit immersed, which is the word baptized, baptismo, we immerse them. And another version, Luke said he clothed them or rested upon them or enveloped them. And Luke will say he also filled them. And the word filled in the Greek is to come under the influence of. So he immersed them, he enveloped them, he influenced them. All, all those words mean the same thing. Uh, and, and you're going to call it baptized in the Spirit or filled with the Spirit, you'll all be right. So they came under the influence of the empowerment or the enveloping of the Holy Spirit. And Peter prophetically says, this is what Joel talked about in this Old Testament book, that before the end of the world comes... When God comes back and it's the last day and He comes to judge the world and there's blood and smoke and fire and all this kind of stuff and the world shakes, He said, in those days before He comes, God had foretold He would do something incredible that all of His people 
would become the mouthpieces of God, like all the Old Testament prophets were. They would all begin to hear God speak inside of them, and then they would both tell of the mighty deeds of God and state what they had heard God say in their voice. That's what a prophet or prophecy or the... Uh, uh, to prophesy, that's what it means. It's not like in time stuff necessarily, but prophecy just simply means to hear God and to speak what he says, okay? And so he says, this is what you're seeing here, and this is a sign that it's the day of harvest, the festival of harvest. This is a prophetic sign that the day of harvest has come. Harvest time is here, and what Jesus planted in the Gospels was going to grow. And Peter says that this is going to continue to happen. In Acts 2.39, he says, this is for all your children and your children, your children's children, and anybody who wants to come into this thing so long as the Spirit's drawn them until the Lord comes. He's saying that this stuff that we're happening starts the beginning of the end, that this is God's end-time harvest plan. The church has begun. And this is not your normal everyday people any longer. So let me give you an example. I'm going to go quick. I need a kid from Kids Church here. Come here, Miss Natalie. You like popcorn? Yeah, all right. Natalie likes popcorn. Natalie, do you ever help? Do you ever help Miss Kim pop popcorn at your house? You do? You like popcorn? Satan steals it all from you? No? Uh, <laughs> how, do you know how to, do you ever make it by yourself? No? Oh, yeah, I'm going to show you. This is a fancy machine called a microwave. I'm not sure you, you've got one of these. So we put the bag, says this side up. We put it in there. And this is one of those fancy ones. It actually has a popcorn button. Let's hit it. Uh, so the thing about popcorn, Miss Natalie, is it starts off like nothing's happening. And in a minute, we're going to hear like one pop, two pops. Hopefully this microwave works. Uh, but it pops and it pops, and as it gets hotter and hotter, it'll start slow, and then it gets really loud and a lot, and then finally, it'll stop. And that's kind of like what Peter's saying in this passage. Everything with God, Jesus said it's going to be like this plant, this vine that's going to grow. It'll start small. It's like a mustard seed. It's a little bitty seed, but then it begins to grow and grow and grow and grow, and it becomes this mighty tree that even birds can rest in its branches. And I'm, we're still waiting for the first pop here. There it goes. I heard one. And it begins. And it pops. A couple more. There it goes. It's getting bigger. But everything with God just gets bigger and better. And what Peter was saying is that in this beginning was the beginning of the end. There's a pop. And this was the first pop. Acts. And he's basically saying, guys, this gospel is popping, all right? It's going to keep on getting bigger. There it goes. Better and more and more. And people are going to come in and people are going to come in. And God's going to do some awesome stuff, some more awesome stuff. And then, do you know when we're supposed to take this thing out? When the timer goes off. Or how about this? Sometimes I burn it if I laid it too long. I wait till I don't hear any more popping anymore. And just before I don't hear it popping anymore, one, two, three, when you don't hear it popping anymore, then you, there's only one, two, three, and pop it. Because if I let it keep going, guess what? Even the good kernels get bad. 
You know what? The Bible says that Jesus is going to come back when all the right number of people have come in. But until then, his spirit's going to keep on popping. Now, everyone's going to smell popcorn for the rest of the sermon, and you're all going to be hungry. But that's just like the book of Acts. There you go. Give Natalie a hand. Take some popcorn home. <clears throat> this thing, just like those seeds in Genesis, started small and keeps on growing. And the same is true for the gospel seed planted in Christ. Listen to me. That what started just with 120 people in an upper room took on the known world, took over the Roman Empire in just 300 years. And that gospel message and that gospel mission by empowered, spirit-filled believers went from continent to continent. God is still in the business of raising the dead, opening blind eyes, healing the sick, casting out demons. He's still in the business of sending and raising up prophetic, spirit-filled missionaries, raising up young people to do mighty deeds of God. He still speaks in dreams and visions because he's not done yet till he comes. Until that final number comes in, this thing's going to keep on popping. And it's going to keep on getting better and better and better. And I'm here to tell you today, for a, maybe there are many people in America who don't believe that God is still in the business of doing great and mighty things. But I'm telling you, science proves it. History proves it. This Bible, this Word proves it. That everything with God just keeps getting bigger and better. And if you don't believe it, you'll never receive it. You'll never experience God's Spirit if you don't believe you can. And only those who are hungry and thirsty and seeking for more of God will find their fill of Him. And only those who are praying for great things are going to see great things. Only those who are going to step out in faith for great things are going to see great things. And I don't know where you're at in your Christian walk with God, but I'm telling you, we are here in these last days and it's going to keep increasing in the power of His Spirit until the final number have come in and then He's going to come and He's going to press that button and bring His children home. Let me give you three quick things. If you want to get out of nominal, predictable Christianity, if you're tired of just a Christianity that's limited by the knowledge and the understanding of man, you see, I'll never understand all that God can do. I want a Christianity that experiences the awesome work of God's Spirit. The first thing is a united church. The first thing that we see in this chapter is a united church. Real quick, united. They were united in their love for Jesus Christ. They were united in the experience of the cross. They were united in their acceptance of this thing called the Great Commission to go make disciples and tell people and be witnesses of who Jesus is and how much He had done for them. They all accepted this charge. And then they all, the Bible says in Acts, that they all met together and they were continually devoting themselves to the purpose of prayer. They were united in the belief that this promise would begin with them and continue into the ends of the earth. How many people know this thing isn't over yet? Has Jesus come back? Has the gospel mission over? Is he, has He ended the world yet? No. So His promise must still be available. And they knew it would begin with them, but it wouldn't end until He came again. Come on, somebody. This thing is still going. And they were united in this faith. And they were united in prayer. You see, the number one reason we will not experience the Holy Spirit is that we'll not be united in these things. And as I said before, if you don't believe it, you'll never receive it. 
But we are expected to be a united, missions-minded, spirit-empowered church, not just in theory, but in experience. There's a lot of theory out there. I can get a lot of seminary professors who can come up here and talk the talk and tell you all kinds of the Greek exegetical words and the Hebrew hermeneutics of it all. And you can tell me till you're blue in the face, but tell me, show me a person who's experienced the power of God in their life, and then I'm going to believe it. Mm. You, it's not a theory. It's experience. Nothing we can do can compare to what he can do. We can try to make a version of Christianity ourselves, but we can't even make one blade of grass. There's nothing we can do that can compare to what God can do. And we can make all kinds of fake church we want, but man, when God is in the midst, there's nothing like when God's in the middle. Amen? So number one, they were united on that purpose and that intent. Number two, they were empowered. You see, there was this old covenant that was given on Mount Sinai with Moses. Got a picture of Moses. There was this old covenant on Mount Sinai with Moses, and God descended in this old covenant. He gave him this tabernacle, this tent of meeting. He gave him these two tablets called the Old Covenant. And he gave them this Old Testament, this Old Covenant, and he came in fire and cloud and earthquake and wind, and he descended on this Mount Sinai. But you know what the story says? That the people were fearful of God, and they wouldn't come any closer to God. So they said, Moses, you go to do that. You be the guy. You be the guy. We don't, we don't want to go up there. And that was the Old Covenant, so it came through a mediator, Moses. And only special individuals like Moses could see God face to face, could feel the effects of his spirit, could go into the presence of God. Then we have a new mediator, Jesus Christ, who comes and he dies on a Mount Calvary in Jerusalem, which can be also called Mount Zion. And on Mount Zion, there was a new covenant established when all God's people could come up the mountain. And they did. And that night, they began to pray all day and all night for 10 days. And on Mount Zion in that upper room, man, Christ the mediator came down and he came with his spirit in fire, just like he did on Mount Sinai in wind and in the flame of the Holy Spirit came. And guess what? Now, it's not just special people that can come up the mountain and meet God. Now, all God's people can prophesy. All God's people can hear God's voice and speak it to a lost and dying generation. All God's people can get on their knees in prayer and sense the Holy Spirit. That's a great day we live in, church. We need to take advantage of it. Man, all God's people can see signs and wonders and healings and miracles. It's not just pastors and missionaries and evangelists. It can be a little kid. It can be a teenager who can go preach to their campus at high school and heal someone in the locker room. Man, it's for every person, man, woman, boy, and girl, until he comes back. But we have to be the empowered church we are called to be. We have to receive it. And this is foundational this is foundational. And people want to divide over tongues or no tongues and evidence. Come on, let's just be the church. Let's just receive all that God has for us and stop dividing over all these petty things. And look at the big picture. We need to be an empowered church to win a lost and dying world. If we've ever needed the power of God, it's today. It's today. Amen. Amen. This is foundational. If you look even in the book of Acts, Luke said... And if you read his writings, who wrote Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, this is his theme, that it's the Holy Spirit that the provides the power 
that is needed to accomplish the mission. It's like if the seed of this popcorn was the gospel, but the heat that comes on the inside, you need the Holy Spirit to make the church pop. Come on. You need the fire of the Holy Spirit to make a dormant church come alive and be something that's good to eat for the nations. That's what we're to be, fruit of the Holy Spirit. Man, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, it makes your life go from dormant to bloom. And man, you can go give the world some food of the gospel. The last thing is inspired. Inspired. You know, Jesus, for people who want to debate on tongues and not tongues, and I'm not, we're not going to get into that here on this. But in Mark 16, Jesus said, these are what you should see as normative things. That wasn't in the book of Acts. It was in the Gospels. Normative things that follow this future coming empowered church. He says there are going to be many signs or evidences of the Spirit of those who believe. Mark 16, 15. He said they're going to be a kind of people that cast out demons. They're going to be a people who speak with new languages. They're going to be miraculous protection for them as they go out into the, the world. Like snakes and scorpions begin to bite them. They can see great things. He says they'll even be uh, arrested. And this was one of the things in Rome. If you were a Roman officer and you converted to Christianity, they would make you drink deadly poison because that's what they did for Roman soldiers if you converted uh, in the, when the persecution was heavy. And many of them did not die. He says you would drink deadly things. God's going to do some supernatural interest things through his church and he says they're going to heal the sick and they're going to recover Peter begins to speak and Luke the author begins to narrate this out for us why did they speak in tongues in Acts chapter 2 now when we say tongues it means diverse languages or languages unknown by the person speaking this was a sign to the unbelievers that the nations were about to come in. God who, think about it, God who made language. Go back to the Old Testament to what? The Tower of Babel. Remember that story? Man tries to build himself up and build his own kingdom and God causes confusion and chaos and makes language and he sends the nations away. Well, here we have the opposite happening. God who made language with chaos uses the chaos of language to bring in the nations to his kingdom. So God who did it now undoes it because he has a purpose in bringing the nations in. This is the year of harvest. This is the time when God is calling all the Gentiles, all the nations in to his kingdom. Let me tell you something. God is good about bringing order out of chaos. God, the chaos was in the world, and the earth was out shape and void and formless. But the darkness was over. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. And then God said, let there be order. Let there be division of the sky. Let there be plant life. And let me just say one spoken word, amen, for generations to come, I'm going to keep on doing awesome things. Man, when God speaks into chaos, there is order. And let me tell you something about the chaos and the order thing that we can kind of, you know, tight about when th services kind of get a little different. I get it. I grew up both ways. On one side of this coin, we find people hearing what God is saying. And they say, these people, I don't know how they're doing it, but they are declaring the mighty deeds of God. There's something supernatural going on here. And the other people who didn't have understanding are saying, these people are crazy. It's 9 a.m., they drunk. How, what kind of people is this? 
And then Peter, who comes up with another prophetic speech. You see, tongues are a form of prophetic speech, and speaking in your own language is a form of prophetic speech. Both are the same for Luke. He says these are speaking prophetic deeds in different languages. But then Peter comes up and he, through revelation, brings order or clarity to the chaos that is going on. Let me tell you something. Just because some people don't understand it doesn't mean God hasn't ordered it. It was chaotic. Some people didn't have revelation. But when the Word of God came, there was a division. There was chaos ended. And a prophetic word brought clarity to what God was doing. And just because someone didn't understand it doesn't mean God didn't do it. And just because some people think it's weird and chaotic doesn't mean God's not in the midst of it. Because God is the God who orders things. And if God can do it, then He's all about it. He brings order out of chaos. Maybe we just need a revelation of what God is doing. I believe God is still interested today, not in doing something crazy, not in doing something weird, not in doing something that distracts His purpose, not in a loss of control and what we would understand in the fleshly sense. But I believe God is looking for a generation who would hear the voice of God and begin to speak it to a lost and dying world that Jesus loves them, He has a word for them, and He is calling them to Himself. It could be a word for your neighbor walking next door as they're mowing and God says, hey, go tell them this, that. Go tell them something that I've told you. Or maybe you're in the post office or maybe you're at work and the person in the cubicle next to you or on the platform next to you or in the school next to you that God would give you some inspired speech. That's what this is. Inspired speech. He says, I'm looking for a generation. And this is what Moses prophesied just after that mountaintop experience. In Numbers chapter 11, he says, Oh, I wish for the day, Lord, I pray for the day that all God's people would be prophets, that all God's people would be the mouthpiece of God. And that came to pass in this chapter, that now it doesn't have to be special men and women like Moses and certain prophetic women like Anna in the temple and different ones that could hear God and speak what He's saying to people around them. But he's saying, this is the day we've been waiting for. This is the day the prophets foretold. And it began in Acts chapter 2, and it continues till today. And will continue until he comes. That God is looking for people to be mouthpieces. He's not looking for people to jump around and have crazy awesome services on Sunday nights, like sometimes I grew up in the Pentecostal movement doing or hearing or seeing. That's not, that's not what this is about. This is about being a generation of people who are bringing the nations into God. And He's going to use you as a herald. And He's going to give you divine words and divine speech. Inspired speech is going to come to you as you open yourself up to hearing God's voice. He's going to give you special words for your neighbors who are lost, to your family who are lost, for people going through a difficult season. How many know somebody going through a difficult season? How many know someone who needs hope and healing, deliverance? How many people need the gospel today? Man, he wants to make it popping. It's going to be loud. It might be something different than you've ever done before. It may take some kind of risk. I remember, just closing, I remember the first time God told me to say something to someone 
that I never felt comfortable. I'm not a talk. I, if you know me before this, I was never a person to speak in public, never a person to speak in front of other people. And I remember God telling me to talk to this person who was on a park bench and it took everything I had. And let me be honest, I walked by the person and couldn't, couldn't do it. And then I got all the way past them. And he says, no, go back to that person on that park bench. And I was about to go in this building and I stopped at the door and had to make myself turn around. See, God wants the world to know it's time to come home. It's time to be saved. You have that message of hope and he's going to give you the inspiration. He's going to give you the power if we'll just get united on seeking it. We need to be a united church, an empowered church, in an inspired church. What kind of speech most comes out of your mouth? Is it inspired by God? I believe God is looking for someone who's going to be his mouthpiece. If you can experience his spirit, I believe you'll begin to exclaim his word. And the last thing, I'll just tell you this one illustration to maybe make it come home to you. Just like that nature just like that blade of grass, just like that, those flowers that God made in Genesis and are still existing today. When you go on vacation here in a few weeks or months, some of you are going to go to great, wonderful, beautiful places. You're going to go, you're going to be, wow, look at that sky, look at that water, look at that cloud, look at that thing, look at that Grand Canyon, look at that beach, look at that sunset, look at these smoky mountains. And then you're going to look at it and you're going to be, whoa, look at all God can do. And then you're going to take a picture and you're going to post it on social media to make us all jealous. And then you're going to make this caption, the picture doesn't do it justice. How many see that all the time? Picture, and then you know it's true. The picture doesn't do it justice. But you wanted to tell someone. They'll never really know till they experience it. But it so wowed you, you had to tell someone. That's the Holy Spirit. You see, the Word says you can go there. But you can't go there until you really experience it by going there. You can tell me all about the Smoky Mountains. You can tell me all about the Grand Canyon. And I can learn about it and take a look at pictures of it. But I really won't know it until I experience it. And when you experience it, you won't help but tell somebody about it. Man, if we could just get that in our spirit. If we could just go to the places God's calling us to go. And when you get there, you'll be like, wow. I never knew how beautiful God was. I never knew how good he is. And you'll want to tell everyone about it. They won't really understand it until they experience it. But you can inspire them to go there themselves. Would you stand with me, please, all across this room? God is looking for people who would be inspired by his spirit to tell the world. He's looking for a people who'd be empowered by his Holy Spirit to be the people he's called them to be. And he's looking for a united people who believe his promise is still for today. He's looking for a church that'll still go, that'll still come to the cross, that'll still repent, that'll still pray, that'll still accept this great commission. Church, if you are every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never experienced God in the ways I'm talking to you about, and maybe you're doubting me, maybe you just don't, you're like, I didn't grow up this way. I never heard it told this way before. I always said this was stuff that just happened back then. I've never seen it done today. May I just inspire you to go there yourself? I can only tell you about it, 
I can only tell you how God has impacted my life and transformed my character and how I just look at the Word of God differently today, how I've seen Him do great and mighty things. And I just believe that the Bible is still working today. That one spoken Word of God that said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, in that one word, man, that one word of power, existed all the miracles that would ever be done. Existed all the people that ever be raised from the dead. Existed all the, the supernatural works of the early church. When he said, go make disciples, all authority has been given unto me. Everything you needed was in that phrase. It's still happening today, church. It's still growing today. When he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit, every miracle that everyone in the entire world needed to see came to be that day. It's still propagating. It's still going forth. It has not ended. The word does not end. It never returns void. It just keeps getting better. In church, I want to inspire you today. Believe the word of God. Don't believe doctrine, don't believe denomination, don't believe what men have told you. Believe the Word of God. His Word is good. It is powerful. And the biggest thing He wants to give you is Himself, the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you more of Himself. He's looking for a church that's not seeking formulas, that's not seeking buildings and programs and pastors and polished sermons. They're not seeking budgets and plans. They're seeking God. They're seeking more of Himself. And that's what I want us to do right here all across this room. If you don't know Jesus today, you can know Him. Just cry out to Him. He's going to make Himself available and present to you. You just begin to repent of your sin, the Bible says, and cry out to God in faith. He will save you and give you more of Himself. If you are empty today. All you have to do is cry out. You can be full. If you want God to be more evident in your life today, if you want to see Him use you in mighty ways, all you have to do is seek after Him and He will use you. Wherever you are today, I think every single one of us can say, I need more of God. I need more of God. Let's get beyond all the masks and the polish and procedures of church. And let's just be honest. I need, Heath Harris needs more of God. I'm not full yet. I want more of Him. I want Him to be more visible in my life. And if that's you all across this place, these altars are open. If you want to come.